You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and tech to WWE and video games, come let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. Stand. This is episode number 22. I am your host, Nick Howell. With me as always, I haven't had a nickname for you in the last few weeks. I don't need one. Do <laughs> the I? The award-winning <laughs> Whatever. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I'm good. Hey, you know what? Uh, episode 22, the double deuce, but let's get started with a Stone Cold salute. I said give me a hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Always tasty. It's raining beers during this podcast. Oh, nice pun and Thank nice uh, segue there. Yeah, yeah. It has been raining the last week, pretty much since we stopped or started recording last week. <laughs> yeah. It didn't stop until about a day, about 24 hours ago. It's the first time in two weeks I've been over here where it wasn't raining, actually. That's a good point. Wow. Um, so here's some quick stats for you. Fun fact. Yeah. Uh, it has rained since the beginning of October till present. It has rained 14 inches in Los Angeles County. Take that, drought. Yeah, seriously. That's a that's a nut punch, isn't it? Technically, we're still in a drought, though, right? Northern California is okay, but we're still a little behind the curve. We are still in it. We're, we were way behind them uh, or way ahead of them, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But yeah. uh, look, we've had more rain in the last, what is that? One, two, three, four, in the past four months. Than that we have in the last three years what? combined. What? Yes. Wow. Fourteen inches of rain in three months. Climate change. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sea ash is melting, making it rain. <laughs> uh, look, the, and that's this isn't the end. There's more on the way through February, and March. So I look the the great silver lining of this whole rain thing is that we're getting out of this drought that California's been in for the better part of a decade at this point, and we're not in bad drought or extreme drought we are in exceptional drought which yeah. is the highest it goes right so very very excited for all of this rain that's been going on to give you to give you an idea for those of you that aren't living in los angeles which is technically a desert climate i was not allowed to water my lawn except for once a week uh last summer so uh on wednesday nights we would turn the sprinklers on and that was it and so our backyard is there's not even a yard it's just brown <laughs> Dirt with a hockey goal in the backyard. That's what what's it is. the thing that people do here in? Uh, I know they do it in Arizona and New Mexico too, but they desertify their yard. Uh, oh, where yeah. they put all the rocks and sure, pebbles yeah. down. I, and don't, I don't do that, but uh, yeah, that, I guess that's something we could do. Maybe I'll grow a cacti or cactus. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know what? It uh, it did rain some tacos over here last week. Yes, uh, we, uh, a couple weeks ago we had talked about the fact that Jack in the Box has five hundred and fifty million tacos that they sell per a year. Year, and I was always like, no, 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 I'll never get a taco at Jack in the Box. Never get a taco at Jack in the Box. So we went to Jack in the Box before a show. We did not see Nathan Philly in there. <laughs> uh, we were hoping to. Uh, like we saw them at Taco Bell. Anyway, Taco Bell's better. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. So I had the Jack in the Box tacos, which you aptly call a meat envelope, which I thought was kind of funny. Beef envelope. A beef envelope, sure. Yes. It is kind of like a hot pocket because yeah. it's like kind of sealed like around the edges and stuff. It's not like it like it's not like it falls out like Taco Bell and eat it and all the stuff falls out of it. Um, they were okay. It didn't blow me away. I will just return to my regularly scheduled Taco Bell yes. uh, when I want tacos, either uh, at a normal hour or especially late at night. Or an actual freaking taco stand, since there's one on every single corner here in Los Angeles. Well, I also make, And we still go to yeah, Taco Bell. Also, <laughs> That's the funny uh, irony. I also make thing. pretty good tacos. You've had some in my house uh, before. Yes, they're yeah, not, yeah. pretty nice. So, there you go. 
Well, I'm glad you tried them. I will admit they were not that good that day. Uh, they <laughs> do tend to taste better at 2 or 3 in the morning, uh, having imbibed a few beers okay, beforehand. I could, I could see that. So uh, they're simple. They're a simple man's food. Um, look, speaking of this week, past weekend with all the rain, since it was raining and we were drowning in a torrent of rain, <laughs> I decided, you know, maybe it's time to, maybe I'll start it a little bit earlier this year, my annual traditional uh, Oscar contender bender, huh. uh, as I like to call it. Nice. So this is one of those things where we have, we have a years full of movies that are we're we're get, we're into the award season now. We had the Golden Globes uh, and all of that stuff. So now we're heading we're on the road to the Oscars, right? And all the other award shows that we'll talk about here in a little bit. But some of the ones I knocked off this weekend: La La Land, Jackie, Nocturnal Animals, and I gave Arrival a second viewing. And that's you know it still really pisses me off. It still frustrates me. Got into some good conversations with our friend Evans at the bar on Monday night about it. Uh, you know, it, I loved the film for the first two thirds of it, but the ending still frustrates me. You can go back and listen to that older episode about the arrival if you want to hear the full rant. But Nocturnal Animals is absolutely fantastic, must see film of 2016. Um, Jackie proves that Natalie Portman can carry a movie completely solo and on her own gives a brilliant performance I really hope she wins because she deserves it La La Land I got a lot to say about that but I think that we're going to save that for a, a whole other rant a whole other time uh, possibly after even the show because I want to see what actually happens the show uh, being the Oscars the show being the Oscars not this show particular. okay yeah. correct so let's let's see out of its 14 nominations Ugh. 14 nominations. It's a lot. It's Return of the King got 11. 11. 11. And it won a lot of those, right? 14 nominations for a modern day musical singing in the rain esque thing about people jobbing around in Hollywood that nobody outside of Hollywood really gives a shit about. Yeah. Uh, 14. Okay. We'll get to that whole thing probably after the awards when we see just how many it actually racks up. Uh, I haven't seen La La Land yet. Uh, I plan on watching it this weekend with my wife. If we can uh, take a break from all of the all-star game festivities here in Mm -hmm. Los Angeles, which we'll talk about probably at the end of the show. Um, I I also am going to watch Arrival a second time, but she hasn't seen it yet. So I'll let you know what I think. Um, I wasn't as angry about it the first time I saw it. Uh, I was kind of with you where I didn't like the ending so much, but maybe in a second viewing, I will have a different opinion because I typically look at movies again the second time with more of a critical eye. And we'll see how that goes. But hey, that's a lot about movies. We should talk about some TV and some more movies. So to start things off on a somber note, uh, as of today, as of this recording on January 25th, we lost Mary Tyler Moore today. She passed away at the age of 80, I'm told, from natural causes. Um, look, it, there's there's not a lot to say here. There's nothing tragic or anything to write about or talk about other than what a successful and landmark career this woman had, what a joy she was be around was to be around. Everything I've read today were reminiscing about the times in the 60s and 70s on the Dick Van Dyke show, the Mary yep. Tyler Moore show. It, just everything was was absolutely uh, groundbreaking. She really set the stage for, for women in, in television, especially sitcoms, right? Yes, for sure. And it, it kind of all culminated for her with Robert Redford's Ordinary People in the 80... Something 81? like that, sure. Uh, she won the Golden Globe... And got nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress that year for Ordinary People. And I would say that was kind of where she peaked out. She did some bit part roles beyond that. But, I mean, hell, you've worked three decades at that point. You're in your fourth decade of working. Congratulations. I mean, she she started it and just went all... She never stopped going up. 
And what an, what an amazing actress, what an amazing human, humanitarian, human being, all of those things. I, you would be hard-pressed to find anyone to say a bad word about Mary Tyler Moore. Switching gears a little bit, the Super Bowl is now set. It will be the Falcons versus the Patriots in Super Bowl LI, Super Bowl Lies, Super Bowl... The Lee! Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, yeah, <laughs> Super Bowl Lee! Uh, that's good. Uh, but, yeah, we've got a week until that happens, um, and then... There's nothing to say about it now. I'm not going to make any predictions yet. Maybe we'll do that next week. Um, but, uh, yes, the game will be exciting. We're sports fans. But from a geek perspective, you're really looking forward to what movie trailer is going to drop. What awesome commercials are there going to be? So we're a week away from that one day when everybody's watching TV and we get to eat a bunch of ridiculous food. So uh, that's very exciting because now the stage is set. In two weeks or three weeks, we'll get to come back and geek out over all the commercials. The oh, one yeah. thing I get upset about every year is the – the the one asshole company that starts the trend and drops their commercial three days before the Super Bowl and then everybody else follows suit. Right. They don't wait till the Super Bowl anymore. No, they don't. And it's yeah. Or we we'll put our, ours on YouTube. Ha <laughs> ha. They do the fuck you dance around everybody. All the other companies <laughs> uh, giving them the finger. Right. It's as if it was taboo to actually put a Super Bowl <laughs> oh, commercial on during the Super Bowl. Speaking of taboo, You're on fire tonight. Thank you, sir. Uh, speaking of taboo, you heard of that Tom Hardy show that's on FX where he where he's he wears like a hat and it's all dark and gritty and all that sort of stuff and the trailers and all that stuff are really amazing when uh, when they they were previewing that show we saw a bunch of really cool billboards around town. Uh, I've watched the first three episodes. The third one was on last night, and I watched it this morning. It's tough to watch. Mm. It's slow. It's it, production value. It's great. And you're just watching Tom Hardy walk around, and he's brooding. And we're three episodes into uh, a run of eight, and nothing's really happened. And there's a lot of mysteries. And they've got a lot of great actors. It's like, hey, did you die in Game of Thrones? You should be on Taboo. Right. They've got Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. They've got Ula uh, Chaplin. They've got uh, the, the the guy who was the bad guy in uh, the Night's Watch. Um, he plays like uh, the king. Um, uh, Did you die on Game of Thrones? Yeah. Do you need a job? Yeah, that's basically <laughs> that's, what it is. That's hilarious. It's basically what it is. So uh, yeah, I, I I had high hopes for it. And here's the thing: of those three hours, like all every time Tom Hardy's on screen, I can watch a guy like read the phone book, right? And, and he's great. Well, you wouldn't actually read; he'd just stare menacingly yeah, at it, right? And he'd, and he'd be rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's basically taboo. There it was. So you don't need to watch it. So I'm I'm not going to spend the next five hours watching. Maybe I'm going to switch and watch like sweet sneaky pete or one of those other new shows or something like that but i'm not going to give five more hours worth of my time i'm going to read the 30 second synopsis on the online and decide if i want to go back and watch it so what i'm saying is geek friends if you like tom hardy great but don't waste your time yeah i i am a rabid fan of tom hardy uh and i didn't make it through one episode i I just I, i made it about halfway through and it just it's it needs a little bit more pace. It's not ready for primetime television in 2017. That should have been made a movie yeah, or some kind of special miniseries or something, not a serial what? episodic like that because it's in the wrong format. It, it really needed to be a, a two to three hour film or something like that. Hey, you know what wasn't boring and uh, took forever to actually develop was Rogue One. Um, apparently in six weeks, that movie has now grossed a billion, billion dollars. Not a billion, billion, just a billion. I called Don't- it. Yeah, you did. You did. You were a little bit off on your prediction as far as the time. You said maybe by the end of the year, but that's not too far off, dude. Like, that's three weeks late, but that's still impressive. I uh, I, I, I felt it. There was something in the gut that just said that movie's going to be a billion-dollar movie in less than two months. And I, I guessed that by January 1st, with the, it didn't do as well as I thought it would during, <laughs> funny enough, <laughs> it didn't do as well as I, big as thought as I thought it would for uh, the it holidays. Did, it did okay. It did, it did, you know, marginally well. It did a thing. <laughs> 
so yeah, a billion dollars, man. I, I've got a little rant for that that we'll save for the uh, for the end. But that was not the big Star Wars news of the week. The big Star Wars news of the week is Episode Eight has a title, and it is the Last Jedi. Wait, what is that? The so they're they're saying that they're wrapping up the whole Jedi thing. That Skywalker's going to be the last Jedi. Or? Skywalker technically is the last Jedi, but is he though? Then don't they yes. have the midichlorian powers with the the Rin and Faye and? Finn I don't know, but technically, technically, Luke Skywalker is the last Jedi because Yoda says in Jedi Return of the Jedi. Remember, when God am I the last of the Jedi? You will be. Remember, he says that he is the last Jedi. I, I do remember that. That so, was a great impression. So something has happened in between episode six and seven, <gasps> right? Where we, where he's gone off and maybe he tried to train other Jedi's, mm-hmm. but then he got all <laughs> then he got all sad, and then uh, right, and then maybe Ray is going to be a Jedi. Now Jedi, remember the plural of Jedi is Jedi. Jedi. So maybe there's more of them, right? Because Kylo, maybe Skywalker is not the last. Well, Jedi. okay. So Snoke, the 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 giant Voldemort hologram guy yeah. from Force Awakens, <laughs> right. he is a Sith, I'm assuming, and Kylo Ren would be the Sith apprentice and theory right so it, yeah. so he's not a jedi but I, I don't know here's the other thing that to take note of the star wars logo itself is red Ooh. never has it been red ever except when return of the jedi came out when they had the original title of revenge of the jedi i thought before, they've all always been yellow but the marketing stuff that sort of thing right i don't know like if the opening crawl in episode eight will be red but i wonder uh, if some intern just fucked up when they were posting it i don't think so i think there's a reason for it i think there's a reason for it i think some bad shit's gonna go down oh snap it is I the am... second movie the second movie in the trilogy always the bad stuff happens right and then so we have sideways to... segue here okay. for a second oh, all right sideways segue so we're t- okay all right a- an aside let me get if my you will let me get my compass <laughs> Tell me where Snoke falls in the line of things between Palpatine, Anakin, Darth Vader, Skywalker. Where is Snoke in that hierarchy of nobody, the baddies? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. However, there is a fan theory out there that he is a reincarnation of Darth Plagueis. Now, you're like, who the hell is Darth Plagueis, right? If you remember back in episode three, there was a thing where uh, Palpatine was talking to Anakin before he turned him. And he said something like, uh, the Darth Plagueis, his, his master, had the ability to bring people back from the dead. Remember, that was a skill that he could do, right? And he was talking because Padme was going right. to die in childbirth or something. Or, or die or whatever. He could save her from dying or whatever yes. it was, right? So there is a fan theory that potentially Snoke is Darth Plagueis reincarnated. He brought himself back to life. We'll see. That's, that's a fan theory. Uh, but yeah. So episode eight. I, this is okay. So the Super Bowl is where we're kind of hoping we get to see that teaser. That's mm. the perfect time. You got f- 500 bajillion viewers, right? That's the perfect time to drop that. Mm-hmm. And nobody will talk about the game the next day. All they'll talk about is that trailer. Uh, if they do that, you won't hear any chatter about some stupid Mountain Dew or Doritos commercial or a puppy and horses for Budweiser. Yeah. It's the same shit every year at this point. The last, but- the last soda. No! <laughs> all right. Uh, I am very excited. Look, like we said last week, all aboard the episode eight hype train. Yes. It's, it's coming and it's going to be a long 11 months as we talk about this every single week. But uh, get ready because we are Star Wars. This is a geek show. In case you didn't know, in case you've been listening and weren't aware. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Speaking of geeking out, uh, Mr. Wolverine himself has what may be his final film, or final as Wolverine. Yes. And it is, they, they released this week a the, another Red Band trailer. We yep. had a couple of F-bombs, and mm-hmm. we got some gory, bloody fight stuff. Looks, um, I cannot rave about how well this film looks. Kind of cool that that trailer starts with an actual full scene, like the thing in the convenience store. That's mm-hmm. like a full scene with the with the girl, which we're assuming is X twenty three. But yep. uh, 
it gives us another sort of look into what this movie is going to be about. And it's definitely, we see a little bit more power of this girl and there's definitely going to be a strong relationship between, uh, Logan and, uh, professor X. Yes. So I, I, I am over the moon about this movie and I cannot wait to see it. It's a couple months out and we've got Lego Batman in between to tide us over and John wick too. But, um, I, I cannot wait for this movie. It looks amazing. Are you aware of the, of how, just how professor X ended up in the back of his car or like where this storyline comes from and, uh, apparent- and where's the rest of the X-Men and why is professor X out on some random car ride with, with Wolverine? I don't know, but I've read somewhere that this takes place a year after days of future past, which is that not the most recent one, but the one before it where, they had to go back in time and fix stuff and then oh so they've got that loophole where they can just okay well it's about time so yeah right. but in the, if if professor x is aged that much and logan is aged that much in a year that doesn't make sense to me i don't know but I, I can't it's all speculation we'll figure it out when they when they get here but it does exist in that universe and this comes out in march march 3rd march 3rd awesome same day awesome, as the awesome, nintendo awesome. switch um and hathaway and rebel wilson are potentially remaking oh god i'm so I, i'm so tired of the remakes they're gonna remake dirty rotten scoundrels why oh not to say that not to say that they shouldn't uh, but they, they shouldn't should, but they should i'll say it they shouldn't that is that is just that is a cult classic like every other cult classics that, that's been rebooted at this point and flopped miserably uh, i just I'd stop effing with our our childhood favorites make some original content the new audience isn't going to react to it the way that we did and we do it's just it's not going to happen and i don't know how many of these reboots and remakes they're going to go through until they figure this out why don't they just re-release the original dirty rotten scoundrels that movie is timeless you could still watch that now and it would still be funny for what it is would 22 year olds go see it and laugh at it i don't know yes they would if you if you go back and you watch that movie just the the simple situation of what that is like it's a con man to tell you i was sitting around <laughs> yeah. watch michael Caine. of course but it's that steve like, martin's hilarious but oh, yeah but michael Caine has to play the straight guy the whole time he's the con man too but <laughs> yeah. it's it's great it's absolutely great it is it really really is speaking of Anne hathaway yeah we so we watched this trailer called colossal which uh, it kind of looks like almost like another Pacific Rim, but kind of with like a humorous like twist to it, I guess. So look up this trailer, Colossal, Anne Hathaway's in it. I think Jason Sudeikis is in it. Tim Blake Nelson's in it. Yeah. Um, essentially, the, the it's a giant kaiju, so a super giant like monster oh. in, I believe, Korea it was. If, if I think they said oh, Korea. I, I think they said Korea. And um, uh, apparently uh, Anne Hathaway's character has some sort of connection to it. So I guess if she dances, that thing dances. But I don't know. I mean... Looks kind of cool. It's coming uh, out in, a, in yeah. a couple weeks. I think it's in March as well. Um, kind of flew under the radar, but here it is. We got a trailer for it. Check it out. I had not heard a word about it until you put it in the show notes for this week, and then I we just watched the trailer before we started recording, and I was like, I okay, I'd that s- looks fun. I'd, I'd see it. It's a big monster, right? Yeah, big it's monster. got a big monster in it, and somehow there's a mental link. Right. So if somebody... If, so they, if, she, did, if she does a little jig, the monster does... Sure, whatever, okay. whatever. It's not, I mean, uh, it's, not a, it. it's not a remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, yes, it is. Thank you. Great point. Not playing Catwoman. Speaking of what we just said, that uh, you know they should just re-release Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, turns out that Wayne's World is, in fact, going to get a re-release. Schwing! Victor said what? It's the 25th anniversary of Wayne's World, I guess, this year, in this February. So in a couple, I think it's February 7th and 8th it's going to be back in theaters, and we get to see uh, that awesome scene with Bohemian Rhapsody and them playing drums in the car and eating Twizzlers out of their roof and... All that kind of stuff. I, I hope it holds up, but I think it will. I think it will just for what it was. And uh, if anything, Queen's going to make some money off of Bohemian Rhapsody again. Toria Silvstedt, Playmate of the Year. That's basketball. Oh, that is basketball. Yeah, that oh, basketball. God. I thought that was... Okay. It's another classic. 25 years? 25 years since Wayne's World. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Stan Makita's done. I don't have any other word but that. You know, just... God. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. 
Uh, Deadpool. Some news on Deadpool. We, we Look, we've heard the news that Tim Miller, the director of Deadpool, has parted ways over creative differences with Ryan Reynolds. And that has that's not new news. Uh, what is new news is kind of what he's doing after this. And what I will say is that he has been tapped, I believe, by Fox to direct a new sci-fi piece that they have called Influx. What's that about? All they said in the article was that the title was called Influx. Don't know anything about it at this point. Stay tuned. There's the other thing, though. This is huge. So apparently uh, he has been talking with James Cameron, your favorite director of all time, uh, about doing the Terminator reboot and remake. So here's the thing. Um, James Cameron, if you can believe this, does not own the rights to Terminator. I believe he owns the, I don't know if he owns the, he can't or something like that, but he gets the rights back for some reason in 2019. And once he does, he wants to reboot it all and maybe make the movie again from the beginning and forget all this other crap that's happened since Terminator 2, which he wasn't involved in other than just after Terminator 2. This guy, Tim Miller, young director, killed it with Deadpool getting involved. I mean, can you imagine getting that phone call? Hey, uh, Tim Miller, James Cameron. Uh, do you want to remake Terminator? I'm thinking you might be the guy. Is the James Cameron song playing. In, He's James Cameron, explorer <laughs> yeah, of the deep. That's his on hold music. So good. Anyway, yes. Uh, I I don't know why he doesn't have it. Does Fox still have the rights? I to don't it, remember. I, I'd have to look it up. But he he is not on the rights. Uh, I want to say they went to like Galen Hurd, who is a producer wife of. I, I don't want to. Uh, I could be wrong. Hmm, Either way. Okay. So that's, that's so we're getting Cameron wants to do more Terminator stuff. Yeah, but with Cameron actually being at the helm of it, we're not going to get Terminator Salvation or Terminator Genesis. We're going to get whatever. I'm sure Schwarzenegger's not going to be in it. Although, wouldn't they have to do that? They would have to have like you can't just remake it and not have it look like Schwarzenegger. It if would it have ex- to be a Rogue One esque kind again, of side story. But or if something. you're remaking it, I guess you could do it with whoever because it's not like it doesn't exist in the universe that we already have. It's a remake. You're not going to get which Michael we Bean just either. Wait, no, wait, we just said we just said oh, we can't do these remakes anymore. But I'm okay with a remake if it's Cameron being involved with it. Are you? Uh, I don't think Cameron will touch the original IP as a remake or a reboot. I think what, what he will saying. do is a nu- I don't think he's going to go back and tell the exact same story. Uh, I think what we could potentially see, because Cameron's smart, he knows better. Well, I think what we could see is a Rogue One-esque side story, maybe another parallel from a different perspective. Maybe we go back and we look at um, how the, the op- other side, the machines actually kind of took over and you begin to see this from the from the outside in right I, I could see something like that there's all kinds of stuff they could do the other thing you could do is tell the same story guy comes back in time to try and stop the universe of the world from ending in 1997 well that's already happened so maybe the world ends now in the new world in 2027 mm. right and uh the the machines are a little bit more advanced because our technology in the world we live in now is a little more advanced and it becomes a little and it's not too far away from what it actually is now, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the, it, it could be a little bit more um, current, so to sure. speak with the, with the technology that we have. So, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm excited about it. Well, speaking of some of our favorite directors, uh, one of them is, you probably don't know his name that well, but you know, his movies, John McTiernan, Die Hard. Well, here's the thing. He owned the late eighties to the early nineties. Here's oh, his, sure. here's his run. Like he did predator. Then he did Die Hard. Then he did hunt for Red October. You could just quit after that, Total right? Recall Can't, too, didn't he? Uh, no, that was, was that, Paul, that was Paul Verhoeven. Verhoeven, but yeah. uh, but you could quit after that. If you have those three movies in your under your belt, like uh, arguably two of the greatest action movies and one of the best like submarine movies ever made. Granted, it's based on a Tom Clancy book, but still, that movie's fantastic. I watch that at least once a year, right? So okay, so he got in trouble for like wiretapping or something. He's been out of the public eye for fourteen years. He's been in all kinds of trouble, right? So. 
when this was this flew under the radar uh, as well. There's a video game coming out uh, in July. In Speaking the, of Tom Clancy, <laughs> good point. Um, Ghost Recon, one of those games, and it's based in uh, it's called Ghost Recon Wildlands. So it's uh, kind of like a Rainbow Sixy type game, like in whatever. Sure. So they needed they did a live action uh, trailer of what this game was, like a minute and a half thing. And we watched it tonight because again we'd never heard about this until I saw this news story. Amazing. It looks Amazing incredible. Trailer. I wish you would make just a movie about that. Yeah, I mean, it looks just like a, a SEAL Team 6 kind of incursion where, you know, you're either almost like a Counter-Strike or a re- Rainbow Six, like you said. Yeah, throw, uh, that, th- throw that trailer in the show notes. It's worth a watch, for sure. Definitely will. Uh, and that's I'm anxious to hear more about the game. Like, when can we get our hands on it? When can we play a beta? When can we play? Ju- July, is the, come July out? is the release. I think July 3rd is what I read. Okay. Um, so uh, beta probably in June. Mm. But, yeah. Definitely but. check that one out. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for you guys. It's uh, it's going to be good. One more thing for movies, a bit of a mea culpa from our good friend David Ayer, the director of Suicide Squad. Uh, he came out this week and said that he had some regrets. Uh, he knows that the fans and, and people don't like the movie and were very angry with the movie. He has come out and said that uh, he would have done things a little bit differently if he had, had a time machine. He would have gone back and made the Joker the actual main villain uh, and made a bit more of a grounded story. And he, he also brought up something that I thought was really kind of interesting, too, that he was... Um, he put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into making that movie, and then to have the critical response that it did kind of is horrible. But at the same time, he's, he kind of put it all in perspective and said, you know, uh, a while ago I was painting houses and I had no money, and I'm getting to do this for a living, so that's pretty cool. So um, I, I like the the humility that he had and, and admitting that uh, he maybe made a mistake, and whether or not that was his mistake or the studio maybe making him make some mistakes, we don't know. So uh, I'm excited for him to do the whole uh, Gotham City Sirens thing with mm-hmm. uh, Margot Robbie. So uh, that's coming. So David Ayer, uh, I like all of your work, even maybe like 20 seconds of Suicide Squad, but... Um, <laughs> We'll see where this goes. You know, there's this interesting thing in Hollywood that uh, I've come to know as an outsider of the industry, but looking from the outside in, most people, when you completely just F up at a job, you either get fired or you get put on some kind of probation or something. You know, some if you have a job that just completely, <laughs> right, whether it, whatever metric it's rated on, across all of them, Suicide Squad was mostly a failure. Can we agree on that? Not financially. Fine. Okay. Critically, yes. It made a shitload of money. Critically, it was a train wreck, dumpster fire. But somehow, he's now getting more work off the back of it. Hollywood might be the only industry that I can think of where that actually happens. And it's interesting to me that there's... I don't want to say there's no accountability, but somebody can put out a blurb on his life. Sorry, yeah. we fucked up. Yeah. You know? And here's two more movies that are coming, and he's getting another more millions of dollars. Right? It's are, what's happened. I, I I just don't know any other industry that tolerates this, if not rewards it in the way that Hollywood does. Sports. You can have a bad season and then come back the next season. You know, sure. Sports, but in that sense. The team and the the team is a company. They've made a multi million dollar investment in that athlete already. They've messed up their salary cap already for a period of years. But I don't, and I don't want to go too crazy on this. But how in the hell do you have such a critical failure? Yes, it made some money, so that makes up for it. But then go on and get to do more with nothing more than a paragraph in. A Hollywood rag. Oh, that was even he got that job before that paragraph happened. You know, it's it, it was it's like exactly. oh you get That's to work you, get, you you did really well making Margot Robbie look good. You should make another movie with just that. You know what? In fact, we probably should have just done that to begin with. Let's just forget about that Suicide Squad thing. It made money. Let's go make another movie. 
Maybe give another one of I'm these. I'm not saying your argument is 15, wrong. 15,000 director, talented I'm, directors I'm, in Hollywood I, I, instead I, of the same effing people right. over and over it's and not over like, again. It's not like David Ayer's direction is going to affect Margot Robbie's performance that much, right? Well, I, can only do more, I can only do Harley Quinn if David's directing. I can't see that. I just don't understand it, man. It's something I got a little bee in my bonnet about. There's a lot of bees in my bonnet this week. Yes, there are. A little ranty this week. Oh. I'm not apologizing, but yeah. I'm apologizing you know, yes. a little bit. Stay tuned for about 15 minutes from now. Oh, boy. Oh, I know something you never rant about. How about some tech? Hey, remember a couple weeks ago when I was like, oh, BlackBerry's dead. I was wrong. Here's here's the thing. There's another what? Yeah, there's another BlackBerry coming out. The BlackBerry oh, for fuck's sake. The BlackBerry Mercury, because Mercury's a fruit. Wait. Okay, so there is another BlackBerry phone coming out. Hey, people that like um the actual clicky keyboard things on your phone. Still? I love them. Dude. But I hate Blackberries. Oh. Well, nobody has them anymore. Like, okay, so they're they're coming back. There's a there's a new BlackBerry Mercury coming out February 25th. It's got an Android operating system. So, what's the point of it being a BlackBerry other than the fact that it's got a clicky keyboard? Right? It's an Android system with a couple of BlackBerry apps. But if you really miss BlackBerry, you can get a BlackBerry phone. So let's go back. I don't know, 15 years. The whole, but this was before we had iPhones, right? Yeah. The whole point of the the selling point of BlackBerry is what the, they got. You got a specific, unique PIN number. And before it was, hey, text me, or before it was, hey, email me, it was, hey, give me your PIN number. That way I can SMS with you directly, but phone to phone, almost like a peer-to-peer oh. kind of thing. With, I, I, you had, I, I, you no shared idea. PIN numbers, right? I didn't have right? a BlackBerry. I had a trio. That means nothing in 2017. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering, other than, is this just yet another, are they just replacing HTC as the latest of Android phone makers with a a QWERTY keyboard, as we call I think it. That's what I just said. It's just like people are like, "Hey, have you, do you miss the clicky keyboard? Because it's back." You know, like that's what it is, right? I I, I am one of those that hate the virtual keyboards because I have fat, little short, fat thumbs, and they I have fat finger things. I'm one of those that's guilty of the autocorrect blunders all the so time. So don't your fat fingers like click the wrong key every no. now and then? Oh, all right. No. Okay. No. No, never had that problem. Do you have like a jitterbug Blackberry? Is that you remember the trio? Yeah, yeah. We just, the, you just said that. Yeah, yeah. Just, we were talking about that the other. Yeah. Day. It had the big fat console, and you had the keyboard. Right? Yeah, I loved that. Thing. Loved it, right? And it had the little things mm-hmm. where you, the knobs, where, nubs, where you could feel where. That you're, was my first phone that I could get email on. It was like the most amazing ooh. thing ever. I was like, check in my email, on my phone. Look at that, and, like, and you're like, it was so cool. It had that. It, it, it had that big, like that big, like thick, like thumb that was maybe like the trios. Inti- yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe blackberries. Well, they're back. Yeah, they're back. Except for trios, not back. But maybe it'll, maybe it'll come back. Who knows? Do we have an idea on cost? No, but it'll be more expensive. That five hundred dollars. I'm, sure I'm, sure I'm sure it'll be expensive. We're not getting one, so it doesn't matter to us. It doesn't matter. Amazon posted a interesting job this week. A mm. creative director for virtual reality. Now, where did you find this? Uh, on like a TechCrunch or one of those type things. I guess they, oh, okay. they had a job posting for like, we need a creative director to help design and uh, market and uh, build our world-class uh, virtual reality uh, environment. So what is that going to be on Amazon? Do you get to put on goggles and go shopping in a fake Amazon store? I don't know if that's, that does sound kind of awesome. I actually. would do it. Like, yeah. I will go over to this. Show. Like, how long would that take to go into the Amazon warehouse and virtual reality? It would take you like six weeks to find, like, you know, uh, a paperweight or whatever you'd want to get, right? Box of Ritz crackers, you yeah. know, <laughs> whatever that is. Can't you just say to Alexa right away, like, hey, I would like to get. Oh, wait, no, wait. You don't even have to call it Alexa anymore now. Have you heard this? Oh, I have. Hey, Star Trek fans, if you're listening to this show, and if you are, you probably are, or at least might like Star Trek, get this. So if you have an Alexa, like Nick and I do, um, apparently you can change it. Like you have to say like, Alexa, uh, what's the weather like? Apparently you can change it 
to make it just computer. Like, you know, you could be like Picard or Kirk, computer. Uh, tell me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it has that, that would be awesome. But yeah. yeah. So apparently they've, they've also added that. I don't know if that's a skill or if that's a thing that they've added in. But yeah. No, it's just you literally go into the Alexa app, the, uh, the Echo app on your phone, and you change the uh, trigger word. Because you, you, right now you can use Amazon or Alexa. Oh, okay. And there's now a new one in there that just says computer. Uh, I, that's awesome. So you just change it in the app, and that's in a uh, hobag, whatever will update herself. <laughs> and now you just say computer, and, and it just it does it. I'm going to do that tomorrow morning. Yes. One that's more funny. thing about Amazon. Uh, this uh, this is intriguing to me as a father. Mm-hmm. Um, they have this um, they have this new thing called STEM Club. Um, so it's uh, they're going to have a twenty dollar a month subscription. Uh, and each month they will send you a um, a like a science toy or a science kit or a sort of like a learning based science type toy uh, that your kids can play with. And it's based on age groups. I was looking into this. I'm probably going to sign up for it tomorrow. I just saw it today. Um, they have it from like uh, age like uh, zero to three and then like three to seven and like seven to like I think 12. So you can pick like the age group of the kid and then they will send you like a cool science toy each month for 20 bucks. And I think that's. That's awesome. awesome. That's yeah. so cool. And like, if it's anything to do with coding or if it's just like chemicals or all that sort of stuff, kids are so, and my, I'm guilty of it too. Kids are so wrapped up in iPads and like just uh, entertainment and all that sort of stuff. It's very rare. And, and my daughter actually just got like a thing with like some science experiment stuff in it. And like, she's just over the moon, like how cool it is. And it's really neat to be like, Hey, look what happens when I mix vinegar and baking soda. And like, right. Um, but if there's volcano, some, exactly. But if there's, but it's just cool to like to, to, and again, as a father, I think it's just cool to just see all of that stuff. And it's good that they're smart enough to recognize that that's a thing. I, um, I had a very proud uncle moment this past week as well. Speaking of this subject okay. in particular, my 13 year old niece has been accepted into a high school level STEM program, um, for specifically for girls. Awesome. Uh, so they they live out in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia, and the thing that's uh, I think it's Forsyth County, which is outside of Atlanta. But there's a special program, from what I understand, where they're doing um, STEM programs for girls. So what is STEM for the, for the people that don't know? It's uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. That's right. That's right. right? Uh, so it's very kind of it's the future engineers of the world are are going to be in this. And if you have children that are into math and science then this is kind of the thing that you want to steer them towards uh, because they'll get some early education on that that will really do them favors when they get into college. And even if they're not into math and science, I mean, why not put something like that in front of them, right? Right. They, well, you, you'll never know if they're into math and science other than the stuff that they're learning in the classroom because, again, a lot of the toys now aren't about that. It's about some sort of electronic thing that makes beeping noises. Yeah. Right? Collect coins. Yeah. Which I still I, – I'm 40 and I still do that. Uh, but yes, so proud uncle moment. Happy about that. Um, Intel wants to put sensors and robots in brick and mortar retailers. So, huh? so this is I read about this. So uh, they want to get sort of involved. I think they know that the brick and mortar store with like the Amazon having their own store that like you don't have to put a shopping cart in or whatever. That, or, There's you, one. Or, or, yeah, but I think they, I think they see <laughs> I think they see the future of this. Oh, of course. So they're they're talking about getting. They want to get in on the front end of this. Apparently, they're investing a hundred million dollars into uh, um, just putting chips and sensors into brick and mortar stores. And I guess there's going to be like a roving robot named Tally that's going to be roving the aisles and checking inventory. Now I don't know why you need to have gonna, a, inventory in the sense of like looking at what you put in your cart or know. looking at what's on the shelf. Or, I, but that's weird. Why would it look on the shelf? Like don't it, wouldn't their computer system anyways like their POS system tell them like, "Oh, we're out of we're out of uh, Uncle Ben's converted rice." You know like that's we how it's mean, always worked. I, but, but can you imagine like you're just pushing a cart around and like a robot's like, uh, "We're out of that." Oh, come on, man. It no. comes by and starts chirping at you. <laughs> yeah. That's not good for you. I mean, the way it's always worked is... That'll give you the diabetes. 
<laughs> stuff arrives in a truck. It comes off the truck. It gets scanned by employees as it gets put on the shelf as surplus. You pick one up. You put it in your cart. It gets scanned at the register. It gets minus off the inventory. There's not a lot of, you know, there's some minimal theft and loss and damages and all that stuff in between there, but it's not freaking rocket science. Why do we need to spend $100 million on robots and sensors in the grocery store? I don't get it. I'm sorry. We're not. Intel is, but you know what? That's whatever. Uh, Speaking of $100 million, I have a, a smaller number for you. Uh, 200,000. That's the number of subscribers that DirecTV now, now Wait, has. already? Yes. Actually, don't they have 200,001? Maybe. Who would that be? Um, well, it's funny you ask. Um, I did sign up for it. And the thing that triggered me to sign up for it, one, and I'll, I'll wrap this with up with a nice bow at the end. Uh, the thing to know is that if you order, if you pre-subscribe for three months, which works out to be $105 total. Depending on the package you get. Well, I got the low package, the $35 a month one, right? Which is kind of half the story. Uh, you get a free Apple TV, right? Which, cool. So, in essence, I bought an Apple TV for $50 less than I would at the Apple store. And you got three months. And you got three months of and on the unquote, side, I get television. you know satellite programming, blah really. blah blah. The reason I originally went and did it is because um, I don't have access to Fox Sports West. It's very hard to watch Kings hockey games because no matter whether they're on the road or local, it's blacked out. Right? You can't watch your local team's hockey games on the NHL network. I don't know. It, it, that shit never made sense to me, but whatever. Same thing with Sunday Ticket, too. Sure, sure. But those are usually covered on the local channels like Fox or right. NBC or whatever it is. Can't watch, so, the, can't watch the Dodgers on the MLB app unless you have Time War Cable. Sorry. Totally fair. Sorry, go ahead. So I went and looked at... Uh, I needed to get Fox Sports. Right. Right? Um, Fox Sports 1, whatever it is. So I went and I looked at the DirecTV, break, DirecTV Now breakdown, and there it was, Fox Sports 1. Okay, 35 bucks. You know what? 35 bucks a month. Even if it only goes till the end of hockey season, that's my three months, May 1st. Great. And I get an Apple TV out of it. Guess what? Fox Sports 1 is not Fox Sports West. Right. <laughs> so I bought a $35 package. For nothing, really. I basically bought a discounted Apple TV. I wonder if you... I have to get the $60 package, the third tier, to be able to get the Fox Sports 2, which includes Fox Sports West, to be able to watch the hockey games. And I I can't do $60 a month to watch hockey games. Yeah, see, I got... See, what happened for me was I got in at the front end of this when it first started. If you guys remember on the show, uh, the $60 package was originally $35 to get people to subscribe. Mm -hmm. And so I did, and I'm locked into that price until I decide to switch over to whatever it is. But, well, according to these numbers, it worked. Yeah. Because there's 200,000 people. In like a month, basically. It, it hasn't even been a month, really. Uh, they launched November 30th, so it's almost yeah, been two months. Two yeah, months. Yeah, yeah, that's right. pretty good. Uh, they've been taking a, a beating, though. I guess uh, the service drops a lot. I haven't really seen it, um, but there's been a lot of people unhappy with it, and I guess they can't get a hold of customer service. But um, if you just want to, if you're a cord cutter, and I know we talk about this every week, it's not a bad option. I, I've i been really happy with DirecTV now, just being able to watch things live. You don't have a DVR function, but do you really need it? I don't know. But So the same, for the same price, I always buy the uh, Deadliest Catch TV show off the iTunes store. It's about $39.99 for the season. Yep. Um, I, it's kind of offset for me now, because that, that's in, Discovery is included oh, there you go. in the DirecTV now minimum package, right? So there's several other shows that I'll watch and download that this is going to replace for me. So that was kind of ultimately how I worked it out of my head. And it's 35 bucks a month to have access to that. Whether or not I'll ever use it, I don't know. I still spend 95% of my time in Hulu watching TV shows and that because that's just where all that stuff is. But long story short for you, yes, you have the option to watch some things live now, but you got an Apple TV for $50 off, yes. essentially. 
and and three months of free programming for doing so. So that that was a win win across the board. Whether or not I keep it after May first, I will to be determined. It's kind of like beating the system or like beating a game. Well, speaking of beating stuff, uh, I beat Titanfall two last week. Remember, I've, remember when you didn't want to play it and you didn't like it? Remember, yeah. remember when I didn't give it a fair shot? I only played the multiplayer and it sucked. Well, the multiplayer still kind of does kind of suck. This has its problems, but uh, on the advice of you and Glenn and uh, David Gronick, David Gronick yep. uh, okay, fine. Uh, uh, Twist bar. Uh, okay, I'll play it. You brought it over. I played it and it was amazing. What a great story. Uh, excellent gunplay. I have my little nits about it. Like the the one that I'll share is that uh, uh, they don't really tell you what all those kind of abstract gun names actually do. You have to get it and figure it out on your own. You know, is it a shotgun? Is it an auto rifle? Is it a pulse rifle? I, I'd like to know that. There there needs to be a little bit more, a little bit more uh, information there. But overall, I think the the standout of that whole single player campaign is the story itself. It seems like they brought some really good writers in to really craft that story. The and you absolutely nailed it when you said that everything revolves around the relationship between the pilot and the mech. Perfect. And I mean, my some of my favorite moments were the uh, having a an epic mech fight on top of a ship as it's flying while you're chasing this <laughs> yeah. this other ship. It's epic. Holy smokes! And being thrown in between ships and jumping and doing all of that stuff. The the wall jumping back and forth, almost like a puzzle, is cool. Um, some of those levels were really, really well designed. Yeah. Uh, and looked amazing when you were in the, the one in the factory with the walls that yeah. fold up and down. So uh, you know, two thumbs up for me, five star, as far as the single player goes. And I'm glad you guys twisted my arm to uh, to go back and play it and give it another shot because... Wow, what one of my turned out to be one of my favorite games of last year. It's uh, it's on sale this week, I think, on both Xbox and uh, PS4. I think it's down to thirty bucks, so it's worth a look if you're a GameFly subscriber. Definitely try that. Um, you should play it. I do know on the PS Store that seventy five dollars sale is sale is still going on for Battlefield One and Titanfall Two, so you can get both uh, for half price each. Yeah, so if, if you're going to do that, I would say get Titanfall, play through the Titanfall campaign and then forget about it for multiplayer. But then you've got multiplayer through battlefield and I'm working through the campaign on battlefield. Now and I'm having a blast. No pun intended. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of battlefield one, uh, multiplayer real quick as an aside, uh, do you remember the stone mountain 64 team? The guys, the, oh, yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. guy that shows up and, uh, yeah. acts like a, a military officer in the multi- random this, multiplayer game. Video Monday night. It's fantastic. Oh, it's so good. And he basically goes around ordering all of the troops as if they're his subordinates <laughs> in a military platoon or a company. It's hilarious. Well, those guys are back. He's back on the new, this was originally started on battlefield four, but in battlefield one, the multiplayer, these finally show back up. They've started putting new videos up. They call themselves the Neebs clan, uh, something like that. <laughs> okay. But, uh, just look up stone mountain 64 YouTube channel and you, he's get, they've got a ton of videos up there. It's a lot of fun to watch those guys. That's awesome. I'm glad you really liked it as well. It, it is a lot of fun. Um, we started playing a game that's very uh, near and dear to your heart again this week because of a new thing. What was that? You guys know over the last couple of weeks, been raving about uh, Overwatch. Uh, I was kind of a late adopter to it, but I it have, I have completely turned around. They uh, Blizzard launched as they like to do. They do these uh, week long events. Um, I, I I credit them for you know influencing Bungie to do that for uh, for Destiny. But this when they, this week they did the first one, not the first one, but they did another one for uh, for Overwatch called the Lunar New Year. Uh, it's Year of the Rooster or something. Like that. It's actually Year of the Cock, but I guess you can't put that in a video game. <laughs> 
That's seriously, that's 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 not a joke. That's real. It's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of influence from Blizzard's Mist of Pandaria World of Warcraft expansion. It's kind of got that Asian, uh, Chinese kind of historical culture theme to it. Lots of fireworks, all of that sort of stuff. Basically, what you get out of it is you get um, some new skins that are in that theme, that world. You get some new voices and sprays and stuff like that. The coolest part, though, is that they introduced the first new game mode call, that they call in Capture the Rooster. <laughs> and it's you know play on words for Capture the Flag, but now we're seeing, instead of that Counter-Strike mode, we're seeing a more traditional kind of Capture the Flag game mode. It is awesome. Yeah, we played today. Uh, oh, we played a lot of it today, and I played a ton of it yesterday. Look, I am, I am an old school capture the flag guy. I played Unreal Tournament, uh, Quake. All of those games were all about capture the flag, and that is what really hooked me on first person gaming back in the late nineties, early two thousands. And I am so excited to see it come to Overwatch because uh, Overwatch to me is the perfect platform for that kind of game. I want to see them do more game modes like this. Make the capture the flag if it goes well. They did say this was a little dip in the water. Uh, for for this kind of thing, but eventually they I do expect them to roll it into the full game for the ranked play and and everything, which would be a great addition. So I'm I'm loving it. If you guys play Overwatch, make sure you definitely go into the arcade section and play uh, Capture the Rooster. A couple other big game releases this week. Uh, the first one, of course, is Resident Evil Seven that dropped this week. Uh, I was expecting to get that on GameFly earlier this week. I did not. Uh, so I, I don't have a, re- a review. Uh, it's getting decent reviews. Here's the thing: it's a classic Resident Evil style game. It's got. It looks like a. It's got like a House of Rejects or like Ch- uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like weird, like uh, family inbred thing in it. The difference between this game and the and the, most of the other Resident Evil games is that it's first person. So that to me look, uh, it looks really cool. And just the stuff that I've seen in like the trailers, um, I'm really excited to get to play that. The other one is uh, Kingdom Hearts, and that's a that's a, a game universe that we haven't really talked about on this show ever. But it's something that I've played and have always enjoyed. Usually, it's a uh, it's a 3ds game. Um, it's basically uh, imagine if you were playing with like Final Fantasy characters, but also like Disney characters. So it's it's kind of like an RPG based in like the Final Fantasy, like Japanese mm-hmm. role playing game style game. But you also can run into like Mickey Mouse and Goofy, and you know, like, <laughs> like Goofy has like a key to a chest. Like, oh, he'll oh, just get that key over there, okay? You know, like or whatever he would do, right? <laughs> it was on PS2 as well. I remember. Oh, playing, you're right. Yeah, I remember it was. playing right. it on it that was. platform. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's been that that franchise has been around for a long time, it's, and it's, it was one of my favorite games on PS2. Yeah, this is Kingdom Hearts 2.8. I think it's a remaster of some of the other games, maybe, but I think there's a Kingdom Hearts 3.0 coming at some point this year. So that'll maybe. be worth uh, keeping track of. You know what uh, I re-downloaded last week as well was uh, I think I talked about this on the show was uh, the Division, mm. right? I don't think actually I don't think about it. Talked about it on the show. I think we were just talking about it in general, but. Um, I I really I have such high hopes for that game because it is so awesome, so good. The campaign going leveling up was the story was fantastic. The quarantine zone, everything was great. Uh, and then you get to the end game, and it's just horrible. Well, they've added survival mode, and you know one of the other things that we've we've got an announcement for a new expansion already, and it's going to be basically you get a team based PvP mode that's going to be in this whole new area outside of what's known as the dark zone. So the interesting thing about the division is if you look at the map, there's an entire area way up north of Manhattan because yeah. it's set in New York City. Uh, there's a whole areas up there that are on the map, but they're grayed out and undeveloped. So I'm curious to see if they're going to start opening up these other quadrants of the thing via expansions or the season pass or whatever the hell we paid that money for Yeah, um, to start getting more content and more story and what's happened next. And I hope it's not just PvP 
until the kingdom come. You know, I, I, I really hope that they kind of beef up this story a little bit more because I genuinely did miss that game. I, I, I want to play more of it. Um, Ubisoft, the, 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 the developer of that game, also has another game coming out on Valentine's Day called For Honor, which is um, like Vikings versus samurais versus uh, knights. And uh, you get to run around, and it's kind of like a first-person perspective and kind of like a battle mode, right? So um, that if you haven't heard of that game, look it up. It's one of their big titles coming out this year. Yeah. Uh, the beta is going to start tomorrow. So I actually got a beta code uh, just because I signed up for it. It wasn't like it was you know, like, oh, you get a beta because you played Division. It's I, you know, I get to play it. So I'm going to play it. Uh, this weekend, if I have time with all the all-star game festivities at Staples Center. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know what I think um, in, in whether or not uh, you should be going to get um, For Honor. One more thing in video games. Francis Ford Coppola. Yes, Francis Ford Coppola, the, the famous and well-versed director from the early 70s to late 70s, and then he kind of fell off the map. But uh, and now he makes wine. Um, and of course, we should probably talk about The Godfather. That was his big thing. I was his, waiting for you to bring up The Godfather, yeah, and I was like, is yeah. he really not going to say The yeah, Godfather? Exactly. <laughs> but his other big movie, of course, is Apocalypse Now. And here's the thing. Apocalypse Now will be 40 years old next year, right? So get this. So Francis Ford Coppola is now working with some video game company. He's trying to develop, get this, and there's a Kickstarter campaign about this, of developing an Apocalypse Now video game. And he is on record as saying that he likes the way that video games are telling stories now. This is this is from a master storyteller saying this. No and he's shit. basically legitimizing what video games are doing, and he wants to be a part of it huh. and wants to get this game funded and out. And I don't know why he can't fund it with all of his wine money, but still. <laughs> um, you and your dirty wine money. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it, it's going to come out hopefully next year if they get the funding for it, uh, and we'll get to see an Apocalypse Now video game. I don't know what, if you get to like chop up cows or like what you do or if you're trying to, to go after, I, I don't know, but... Apocalypse Now video game. I'll play it. Why yeah. not? And when it does come out, we'll take a great opportunity to break that down. Break it down! Look, not much to talk about in wrestling this week. It's all... Uh, we're, we're days away from the Royal Rumble. It's coming up this Sunday. The big thing that happened for me on Raw, the big show, well, he returned, and uh, he is very uh, slim. Slimmer than he used to be. Svelte. Yeah, he's not cut and, and he's not whatever, but he's he's not fat and he's just big. So Braun, well, there was some Instagram picture where he was showing his abs. The, the big show been, has like giant abs. That must now. have been a total troll thing. I don't know because <laughs> it did not appear that no. under the singlet this week. But so Braun Strowman, the super monster of Raw, is in the ring, right? And then the big show comes up and comes out, and it's a big surprise, and it's his return, and suddenly. Braun Strowman doesn't look so big anymore. Big show. It put into perspective for me just how freaking big he is because the guy that we've been, I've been raving about the past few weeks is tiny standing next to big show. And he's going to be in the rumble as well, isn't he? I believe so. So now the Royal rumble, we don't know. They didn't actually say anything. They just, Faced off with each other, and then Big Show got out of his. Well, he's the big, and he walks out. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, that accomplished nothing. Except but, he's back, and maybe he's in right. the Rumble. It would be great if he is in the Rumble. Look, we have no idea who's going to win the Rumble. There's and no, I love that. So do I. I cannot wait to watch this match. It's going to be amazing. There are so many big guys that are in that, and a couple of other quick things. The the two big matches that we want to highlight is uh, for the WWE Championship: AJ Styles versus John Cena. This could be um, monumental and legendary because if Cena wins, it'll be his sixteenth. Tying the Nature Boy, woo, woo, Ric Flair. So for the most ever championship reigns, so I, uh, that could be really interesting. We'll see where that goes. Uh, and then the other one is <laughs> Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns are fighting for the WWE Raw Universal Title. But the interesting twist here is that because Jericho always gets in the way and interferes, 
General Manager Mick Foley has laid out an edict where Jericho is to be suspended in a shark cage over the ring during the match so that he cannot interfere. Of course he is. Uh, you know, is, is he really going to stand up in a shark cage for 20, 30 minutes as long as this match takes? All right, real quick uh, before we move on. Uh, the Royal Rumble, this will be the 29th Royal Rumble, okay? The first one was back in 1988. On the WWE Network, I decided to go back and watch the first All Royal right. Rumble just because okay. I have it. Why not? Let's see what's going on with it, right? So the first Royal Rumble, uh, the commentators were Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura. Nice. Okay. Uh, do you know who the first entrant in the first Royal Rumble was? Uh, I'm going to go Rowdy Piper. Brett the Hitman Hart. No but kidding. it was Brett the Hitman Hart of the Hart Foundation, so he wasn't yes. singles Brett Hart yet, and he was off against Tito Santana. No shit! Who was not just single Tito Santana, he was in Strike Force Strike with, Force, with yeah. uh, Rick Martel. So that's how it started. <laughs> uh, we had, uh, I got up to the, like Jake the Snake came in, he was a good guy. Uh, Jim the Anvil Nighthart came in, I didn't watch the whole thing, it got up to, I got up to like number nine. The first Royal Rumble only had 20 entrants, and they came in every minute instead of every 90 seconds. Ah. Right? But I do know who won the first Royal Rumble. Do you know who won the first Royal Rumble? I do not. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. That's, oh! I do know that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So there you go. So we'll see who the next winner of the Royal Rumble is this Sunday after we go to the NHL All-Star Game. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking. It's my first time. I'm looking forward to that. So pop my NHL All-Star cherry. Mine too. Uh, oh, really? You've never been to the All-Star? Fit? Oh, I guess they've never been here. I've never been to any All-Star Game oh, of any God. sport. Oh, really? Yeah. We've got to go to the baseball one. That's a lot of fun. That see the home fun. run derby. That'd we should fun. figure that out. Okay. Well, that's all we got about that. So uh, this week we wanted to take our main story in the same vein of the award shows that's going on and kind of just take a look at, you know, not specifically the Oscars themselves, but let's break down all of these different award shows that are going on. I know there's a lot of people that might not understand that, you know, uh, what all the different shows, what they're for, who gets to vote on them, all of those things. I really wanted to take some time to to break this down in a sense that we could really understand what people need to know about each of those, yeah. these different shows. Some of them are televised, some of them aren't. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's a lot of little insider industry shows like the BAFTAs, yep. AFI Awards, DGA, uh, DGA Awards. and PGA. and I don't know if the SAG Awards are on TV. I think they might be. AF, yeah. 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 So th- there's, there's a lot of other little award shows besides the Emmys and the Golden Globes and the, the Grammys and the Oscars. Those are the big ones that you guys, and the Tonys, I should say. Uh, those are kind of the big five that most casual viewers are aware of uh, outside of the industry. But there's five or six more at least that uh, are going on at the same time. So, Andy, as, a, as an industry man, I guess I want to look to you to kind of help educate the listeners on what are these shows for? Or maybe the question is, who are these shows for? And why do we need three-plus different shows for the same set of films each year? Well, they are for the people that are up for the awards. They're up for the industry people to celebrate uh, all of the movies and television shows that have been made uh, or or plays or music that, is, that have been made over the last year. And then we have to decide which one of those is the best for some reason. Uh, Who's we? We being the Academy or the voters or whoever. Like in the Oscars situation, there's 5,700 people that are in the Academy that get to vote on who wins these awards. Yeah, but so, that's different from the um, the Golden Globes because that's the Hollywood, Hollywood Foreign, Foreign Press. Press, 
And then the DGA awards, I'm a member of the DGA, the director's guild. Uh, they, people, I get to vote on that if yeah. I want to. Well, why wouldn't you? There's no, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't, depending oh, okay. on, depending on what the category is. If I haven't seen all of the movies that are up, I'm not going to vote because I don't want to be, oh, that's fair. I don't want to be, um, biased, gotcha. so to speak. Yeah. So it's, it's the, it's award season. All this stuff is coming up. So who are the awards for? They're of course for those people, but there's a certain part of me that thinks that they're also for the fans, but not really. They're for, um, it, it, to me, it's all just, it's, it's a lot of, and I hate to say this, it's a lot of patting everybody on the back. And if not, it's our, uh, celebrity obsessed culture. And that, that, that sounds wrong, but, um, I'm, it's, it's actual, but, but, it's factual, but we live in Los Angeles. We're surrounded by it, but, um, the, the country as a whole, like this is a magical place where there's just uh, so many talented people that these people just see on a silver screen and then they get to see them all in one room. Yeah. And that's a really special thing. And you get to hear them talk and get to hear them talk when they're not being the character that you saw them in. And there's something really cool about that. And we get to award one movie or, or one specific actor or actress or visual effects artist or editor or whatever about being the best. And I, w- whether or not we need a best for that, there just has to be something. And then there's some sort of prestige about being an Oscar winner or a Grammy winner or all that sort of stuff. So, Academy award winning. Right. So that's, that's, that's what this is all about. Um, does it celebrate the movies that are the best movies as far as you and I are concerned? Probably not. And as far as the casual fan of the people that have spent the, you know, the $1 billion to see rogue one, is that their favorite movie? Probably is rogue one going to win best picture. It's not even nominated, but um, there are, I don't want to discount the movies that are up for best picture because it's maybe not something that I would go to see or not something that I would talk about the next year. Um, but these are stories and these are things that, that need to be told and, and cinema and movies and film, uh, they're all the same thing, but that's a, that's a medium and that's a, it's a storytelling thing. There is an artistry to it. There is a, there is a, um, a skill to it. And it's a, and it's a collection of talent of people getting together and making this. It's not just a director and it's not just an actor. There is a crew of a hundred to 200 people uh, on set. And then there's a million people afterwards that make all these things possible. So uh, this is a celebration of these things. Now, how do you see this? What I think about with this is who decides at each of these individual shows, what the best of each category is. And there's a different group of people, each show deciding what that is. The, The irony is, is that normally I would say a majority of them come up with the same result. For the most part, right? Best picture, actor, actress are usually aligned across all of the different shows. It makes me wonder if it's the same kind of group of elite that are voting for each of the different shows. Um, I understand the difference between the Hollywood Foreign Press and all of the different members of the quote-unquote Academy. But what about things like the Grammys? What about things like the Tony Awards? Are these is, are these also their peers that are voting, or is it another Hollywood Foreign Press-esque kind of in, uh, uh, entity that's, that's voting? Uh, what I really want to boil down to here is why do we need all these different people's opinions about the same set of five movies that gets all, almost all of the awards each year? And that's what really starts to bug me after a while. And even though there is such a diverse, rich group of people voting on all of these films, on the other side of their mouth, there's, they're complaining about how there's no diversity and all of this other stuff that goes on. So, but uh, in, in, in essence, you're kind of in control of that. The people that are voting on it are determining what the best films are or what should be nominated. And then out of the other side are kind of deciding what films aren't nominated and then complaining about it. So... I I want to save my little bit of soapbox. I just I hear people complain about snubs, 
And that's the really frustrating part about me is that the people that are picking the films to be nominated are the also some of the ones that are out there complaining about lack of diversity. These films got snubbed. This person got snubbed. You you should have showed up and voted. Yeah, that's my complaint about it. Let me ask you this. Um, when, you, when you go to work, when I go to work, do I go to work every day trying to get an award? No. I go to work to get money to take care of my family and whatever that is. That's what I go to do. Okay. And if I get an award or if I get nominated award, which I have been, and I got an award at one point, and that was really cool. And I got to go to one of these things. I got to be in a room with all of these like these amazing people that I looked up to and still look up to to this day. Um, and that was like awesome. Clint Eastwood was there, and and Steven Spielberg was there, and I was in the bathroom and I was peeing, and I turned around. And Pierce Brosnan was there, and I talked. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. "What do I do?" Right? And that was awesome. And like, I don't. What am I doing here? I'm like a clerical error. I don't belong here, right? Yeah. But uh, it, it was cool to be a part of that from that side of it. But at the same time, I, I don't need it. I. I it's nice to get an award from your peers and, and it's cool, but it's like, what, what, what is it all for? It's not for, I don't need, maybe that's just my own personality. I don't need that like, like validation that I've done something good. I just need to go do what I do and like what I do and come home and to my family. That's, that's my approach to it. I, I, as much as I want to think that there's an insecurity element to all of this and they need that constant reassurance of everything, I don't think that's the case. I think the reason this carries such weight is how movies get made. In order for certain films to get greenlit by the people that have all the dirty money that pays for all this stuff, there has to be some kind of weight behind an individual, whether it's the director or a leading man or lady, And if they have the tag of Academy Award nominee or Academy Award winning or they're more well-known, they're going to be able to essentially, I'm doing air quotes. Push a movie through. Sure. I know what you're saying. Garner a larger audience, potentially, that will allegedly make more money and be more successful as a film, right? But wait a minute. Now, we we talked about this a a couple of episodes ago where these movies that are nominated, these aren't the movies that are nominated to make these studios money. This is for them to get the awards. None of the, none of what what these movies are doing is going to garner them any extra money. Maybe in like home video sales or whatever, it's going to have people talking about their movie. But you know what? Disney doesn't care. They made two billion dollars this year off of seven, movies, seven. Sorry, seven billion dollars this year, whatever it was, off of movies that aren't even close to being nominated for any of the major awards that these people are going to talk about. All of those movies are the p- movies that we went to go see. So it's not about getting movies greenlit. This is the thing we're talking about. They make all this money so they can say like, all right. Uh, go make your uh, Fences movie, go make this movie, and go make that movie. I'm not taking anything away from these movies and and how good they are, and I haven't seen Fences. Um, I haven't seen La La Land, and I'm sure it's great, whether or not you like it or not. Um, But... These movies get made as – like there's it's there's like a certain time of the year that these movies come out because they release them for the award season so then they can all make – it's not so they can make money so they can get the notoriety and get the uh, appreciation, I guess, to get the, the, the actors next or, the, or the directors or the, or the studio, the thing, or the producers of I have the award now. I can now uh, get this other project, this other project that I'm really passionate about, Greenlit. Yep. Maybe that's it. Well, you bring up an interesting point because – where are all of the movies that are successful? People, consumers, moviegoers vote with their pocketbooks, with their dollars, right? They vote Rogue One within two months is a billion dollar film, right? So all of a sudden, and it's, I think it's on, it's got one nomination for some technical I don't, thing. I don't know. I mean, it might have more than one, but it's, you know, it's not up for best so picture. Let me make sure I understand. But this. should it be? I mean, are there any other movies that made a billion dollars from 2016? 
A billion? Yeah. The Civil uh, War, maybe? Uh, Civil War probably did. I think uh, Finding Dory may Finding have. Finding Dory was the biggest may one have. of the year. Um, uh, So, yeah, right sure. there. Sure. Right? So, uh, the consumers, the movie theater vote, have voted with their dollars and told you, Mr. Studio Executive, that these are, and Hollywood Foreign Press, and all these people voting, that those were their favorite films of the year. Voting with their dollars. So, to come out and pick out a discreet list of limited release films that weren't really seen by a majority of people and somehow 5,000 or less people are going to no, decide they're that almost, they're the best a, movies? In a way, they're almost forcing you to see them because like these new movies were nominated for Best Picture. Like, well, I better go out and watch uh, Nocturnal Animals. It, it wasn't even nominated, was it? Or uh, I better, go, out, I better thing, go out and watch this movie that I would never see anyways because it was up for Best Picture. I got to see what that's about. So that's them per- perpetuating their own sort of thing, but right? But that's on the backside. That, to me, that's, that's, that's an effect of the award shows. I'm talking about how... The voting happens and how the pick this, the actual movies get selected. Nobody ever heard of Moonlight before the Golden Globes, but it won. No, I mean, and it's nominated for Oscars. How the hell were we as consumers supposed to know that? And then you want us to watch your awards show to watch you prance all of your stars around in their ten thousand dollar dresses, and that's part of this whole you know pomp and circumstance as well as that red carpet thing. Thanks, Joan Rivers. But the, the idea that we have to sit through and listen to people talk about movies that we haven't even had a chance to see yet because they were so limited in their release, and the only people that really knew about them were the Hollywood elite insiders, it's such a bubble and echo chamber that that's what's really frustrating. As a movie lover, first, I love movies. I watch movies all the time. I want to hear about these movies too. And just because they don't have the marketing dollars, now I have to get to January and binge through 20 films because they're all got got nominated for stuff and why do you do that so you can determine what you think of those things are the best picture because or? i love movies and, and in a weird way yeah i want to weigh in on it but right? you would never have watched those movies before nope see i'm the same way nope i would have never heard of moonlight i'd never heard of la la land i would have never heard of nocturnal animals probably they just didn't get the but you saw nocturnal animals like you said and you loved it so you're glad that that happened only because it showed up on the golden globes there you go. Honestly, and uh, yeah, as a, as a so these are so now it's now it's it's we're making sure that these movies and these great stories that I were talking about are getting recognized and that you get to see them, right? I guess that's what we're getting at. Yeah, kind of. The only the movies that get to be Oscar nominees and are are the critics have to like them. It's critical acclaim. They have to have critical acclaim. And there's a certain style of movie. There's that whole Oscar bait term, right? Like a Manchester by the Sea. However, that movie got made. I know that Jeff Bezos from or Bezos from uh, Amazon bought it, and they marketed the hell out of it, and they shoved it down your throat. Manchester by the Sea, Manchester by the Sea. I don't want to see that movie because it does not look like a fun experience for me to sit through and watch that movie. I would rather take two hours and play a video game and have fun. I would rather take two hours and watch The Dark Knight and have fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But no, they want us to watch uh, 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 Manchester by the Sea, and I'm sure it's a well-crafted movie, and I'm sure Casey Affleck's performance is fantastic. I don't want to go through that. I don't really feel like going through that experience. <laughs> I don't. As a movie, as a movie lover, I'll see it at some point. I'll see Moonlight. Um, I definitely want to see Moonlight. Yeah, it. it I, I like him as an actor. I love him in House of Cards. Um, he's done several other little bit parts as well that I love. Um, look, as kind of a. a wrap up to this whole story i kind of want to get your perspective on this from a 
you know, you, you went to school for broadcasting, for journalism, yeah. right? Yeah. And you came out with kind of a, a dream of something to do with Hollywood, but you had to have watched these shows. Nah, this was this was this was growing deep, up. This was deep seated. Um, so, and, and then I'm curious to see how you um, how you enjoyed them then versus how you watch them now. Okay, I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you a basic story. I grew up in Indiana and Ohio, and my dad, you know, his brother lived out here in California and was this makeup artist, and he would tell us these tales before email, before whatever we would hear phone calls from him and he was like hey i'm working on this movie and this movie and this movie and he was this awesome uncle that lived out in this magical land of hollywood right he did um he did uh eddie murphy as the white guy in coming to america he did the uh the penguin uh danny devito is the penguin and like holy cow like your uncle's wow. out there like doing this stuff it's like this magical place that doesn't exist like it's out there and like we we went and visited one time in in los angeles here where i live now as a 16 year old i got off a plane and i went to universal studios and i got right on the back lot and there we were on the set of death becomes her because my uncle greg was working on it and there was bruce willis and there was robert zemeckis and it's like what i can't believe this is, is happening right uh two years before that <laughs> two years before that my uncle greg was nominated for an oscar or an Academy Award, right? Wow. Guess who he took to the Academy Awards? My parents. My mom and dad went to the Oscars in 1990, right? Holy smokes. With my Uncle Greg. Rode in limo, did the whole thing. My Uncle Greg, I think you've met him once. He's yes. just an aloof, like, and a great guy, but it's, it's not Definitely his scene. Definitely a Southern California guy. It's not his scene, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, But uh, Greg, they were going uh, before the show or something. They ended up in an elevator. My dad's like, yeah, I got it. And like when he came home, and we lived in uh, Georgia at the time, or, or, or Ohio, or I don't remember where we were, but... Yeah, I got in, I got in an elevator, and there was Billy Crystal because Billy Crystal was the host. And he's like the greatest host in all the Oscar thing, right? And then, so as as you're as I started to, uh, in high school, I was a big fan of movies, but I was going into broadcasting at the time, and, and like it was always that thing. It was like this magical thing that would you can't do that, you can't go out to Hollywood, you can't get. Uh, but it was this magical thing that like all of those people and all of these stars and all those people that were larger than life, the Hollywood royalty, if you want to call it that, were all on TV at the same time and they were all having fun. And sometimes they'd get up and they'd tell funny jokes and like you get to see all these people. And in, in I didn't care about the tuxes or the dresses or any of that crap, but here they were. And yes, I like I remember like my buddy Brad and I used to always be like, okay, let's do the Andy and Brad Awards. It was like, okay, 1992. So this year, uh, Batman Returns wasn't up, and this movie wasn't up. And if we had to guess what our best picture was, it was be Batman Returns. Like it was always that. But then right. they would have these other movies, and like, yeah, whatever, right? And then you like over time, and and uh, like 1998, just before I moved out here, like Shakespeare in Love beats. Saving Private Ryan is best picture. How many people still talk about Saving uh, Private Ryan? Everybody. How many people talk about uh, Shakespeare in Love? Nobody. Right. Shakespeare in Love is a great movie, but Saving Private Ryan is a better movie that has stood the test of time. That, to me, is the best picture. Best pictures are things that, that people talk about forever. Best picture of the year. It's, it's, it, it, to, sure, but it's become, it's become a popularity contest. It's become studios dumping a bunch of money to make sure that these movies get into people's hands. I get screeners. As a member of the Directors Guild, I get screeners for all of these movies. They give them to me to make me watch them in the hopes. I don't get to vote, but they're hoping that I might have a chance to talk to one of those 5,700 people and maybe say, hey, man, have you seen this? All they have to do is send a DVD to my house, and maybe, they're, maybe they get lucky. They, they have the money to flood the market and flood the to get this stuff out yeah. so we can all see it, right? And then maybe have... And then they threaten you with death if you sure. show it to anybody else. <laughs> well, forget that. But like they, they, it, like they still, I guess what I'm getting at is uh, now I'm here, and I'm a part of it, and I watch it with a little bit of a jaded eye, Right. Whereas I see the kind of show of it and I see and it's it's again as, as a fan I still watch it and I'm still excited to see all this stuff right and I'm not quite in the movie side of, of the industry as much as I'd like to be and whatever but there is still something special about that day when they're all there and they get to celebrate whatever it is now do I do I am I jaded about it yes do I am I do I think that uh, that La La Land is going to win best picture I absolutely do I have I seen it yet no do I think after I see it that it should win best picture I'm going to tell you right now that it won't be my favorite movie of the year 
I'm going to tell you right now, it won't. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what my favorite movie of the year was. Civil War. It was either Civil War. It was either uh, uh, Rogue One. It might have been Hell or High Water. It might have been any yeah. of those. None of those are going to win. And I've accepted that. And that's yeah. just the way that it is. To me, the Oscars every year is an event much like the Super Bowl or a pay-per-view or something sure. like that. It's, it's much more enjoyed with friends where you can you know, you know, make little fun side bets or sure. you make jokes or you do it as an event with snacks, right? And there's viewing parties that happen everywhere. So yeah. um, I think the thing that has this, where this has turned into an event is a social gathering of sorts, right? And where we watch and the girls can just hen house about what Katy Perry wore to the awards or whatever, you know. Catherine Heigl's dress this year, you know, all that stuff. So to me, that's the takeaway. I treat it the same way as I treat all of these award shows as events, much in the same vein as a pay-per-view or Super Bowl, right? And we're probably going to watch them together in a month when they come out. And until then, we're just going to plow through and binge the rest of the uh, the uh, nominees. But uh, I'm curious to, we're, I think we're curious to find out what you guys think. Do you watch these award shows? Do you? Do you think they're worthwhile? Do you think it's? Do you get physically bent out of shape? Or mentally, emotionally bent out of shape when your when your favorite doesn't win. Yeah. Uh, so I it, know or, I do. Or is it just a celebration? Is it just another yeah. show on TV? And you don't care who wins or loses. You just want to have a good time while you're watching that yeah. three or four or five or however many hours that show goes sometimes, yeah. right? And then you still like the movies you like, like we just talked about. Yeah. You look at a bunch of beautiful people wearing awesome outfits, the pomp and circumstance of it all, a great opening monologue by whoever's going to host it. Maybe next year it'll be. <laughs> Yes, uh, that would be amazing. Well, now, I don't know. He's on a tear right now between the SBs. He's got another one, and he was on the Today Show this you think week. He's doing like the Kids' Choice or some choice, people, yeah, people's Nickelodeon choice. Award, sure, whatever something it is, like yeah. that, right? Yep. Okay, so it could be him next year. I don't know. All right, so um, let's talk about some fun stuff. Um, there, speaking of what I would like to be a Best Picture, there is a chance now. I've heard rumors that uh, they're in talks with The Rock to make a GI Joe Transformers crossover movie. That's got best picture huh? written all over it, all over it, which leads us to our lightning round. All right. You are a huge fan of G.I. Joe. I'm a huge fan of G.I. Joe. I don't know how much you were into Transformers. Big time. Okay, ready? Lightning round is name as many awesome characters from both universes as you can. Go. Oh, God. The uh, the, the guys that had the fan boat, the dragon, uh, the dreadnoughts. Yeah, and Zartan, sure. Uh, Zartan, absolutely. Um, you remember the dreadnoughts? Buzzer, Ripper, Torch, and Monkey Wrench. Oh, my God. How do you remember this shit? Jesus Steel Christ. Steel trap up here, uh, buddy. I remember Destro is being one of my oh, favorites. Destro was uh, awesome. I was definitely a Cobra guy. I was not a, I was a, I was more of a Cobra guy. So Storm Shadow. Cobra Commander, the Terradrome. Yeah. Um, Storm Shadow. You had uh, Destro, of course. You had the Dreadnoughts. Snake Eyes. Duke. Oh, rock and roll. Yes. Remember all those guys? Transformers, you got Megatron, you got Skyscream. Remember the plane that had the yes. Cobra Commander? Starscream. Yeah. Was it Starscream or Star Skyscream? Sky, uh, Star Soundwave was my favorite oh, the, the, with yeah. the tape thing with <laughs> yeah. Ravage and Vulture. Yes. yes. Or a uh, beak, something. Yeah. Uh, laser beak. Laser beak. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And even the little cassette tapes yeah, folded out. So and cool. It. Those are the best toys ever. I can't believe they don't make stuff like that anymore. <sighs> uh, what other guys were there? Sorry, remember, kids. Remember you're all stuck the, with remember, your tablets. Remember the, they, they took the whole uh, Voltron thing, but then they made all the dinosaurs that connected together? Dinobots. 
Dinobots. Uh, Dinobots that turned into Grimlock. Remember that guy? And he had the, was it the Constructicons? Oh, uh, yeah. Where there was like a bulldozer and a, a cement truck. And like, can we just agree that the Optimus Prime toy itself was just the most amazing toy ever? Yeah, it like, it was a truck that, like, it was nothing it was more like, than like a plastic trailer. Yeah, but it was a functional <laughs> truck that you could, like, drive around yeah. and it turned into the thing. It was yeah. amazing. Uh, what other G.I. Joe stuff? We had the headquarters, we had the hovercraft, which we talked about. Well, we USS, talked about Christmas. Sure, we had the USS uh, flag. The USS yeah. flag and the ter- Cobra Terradrome. Yeah. I was um, a big Flint fan. I loved Flint. Cool. Uh, who else was there? Shipwreck. Remember the, uh, the, oh, the Navy yeah. guy? He was yeah. cool. Uh, what was the fighter pilot, the F 14 pilot's name? Uh, Ace. Ace, that's right. Yeah. And then, uh, Spirit, the uh, the uh, the Indian tracking guy that had the the uh, freedom, his eagle. What was the guy with the skis that had the snowmobile? Snow he, job. Snow if you job. That, yes. In the mid eighties, we had no idea. Oh, like, gung ho. That's yeah, the oh, one I was trying to gung-ho, think of. Gung ho was the, uh, the big was, marine dude. Yeah, he was the yes. He was the he was yes the marine yes. and he was all Cajun. Yeah. <laughs> so gung ho. If you ever want to watch all the GI Joe episodes, you know I have all those on DVD, right? I have I have all the old Transformers ones. Oh, I we'll have to have, show you this special package. We'll I have. have to make. Oh, it's a big silver case with all the episodes. Be misinterpreted. Wait, but, no, <laughs> we're talking about movies and TV shows. And fair enough. All right, guys. Well, let us know what you th- your favorite G.I. Joe and Transformers are in uh, either on the Facebook comments or on this post on orbitaljigsaw.com. We love geeking out about this kind of stuff. If you've been a listener of the show, uh, you definitely know that already, but I could talk for hours about what we used to do with all of our G.I. Joe and Transformers setting up wars and having epic battles and just using imagination. And I think kids are missing that these days with their tablets and Yeah, I think you're right. And, hey, get off my lawn. So let us know about that. Uh, anything else you wanted to throw in, Andy? No, I think next week we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to go to the NHL All-Star game this weekend, so we're going to have a lot to talk about that. I know that's not geeky stuff, but it's kind of a cool sporting event that we're really excited to tell you some stories from. Oh, yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us this week, guys. As always, I'm Nick Howell. You can find me at Data Center Dude over on Twitter. And I'm Andy Nelson. You can find me at AndyNelson76 also on Twitter. We will see you next week. Later. Bye. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.